All right, what's up, world? I go by the name of Jabari. You know what time it is. Another Words with Friends podcast. Get the Monday started off right. And for those that don't know, you can now support the Words with Friends podcast on Patreon.com. If you're getting value from it, if you're enjoying the guests that I'm having on every single week, every Monday we do this, you can support the podcast with a tip for as little as $1. And that just ensures that I can keep it going, that I can keep bringing you guys new, fresh perspectives of entrepreneurship, creativity, all the above. So go to Patreon.com slash Jabari, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Jabari, and leave a tip for the Words of Friends podcast. But without further ado, I have a legend in the game, a serious legend in the game, a vet, somebody who has been uh, just influential in hip-hop culture, uh, somebody that I've looked up to for a while. And um, man, I, it gives me great pleasure to introduce Elliot Wilson. Yes, what's sir. up, good brother? Jabari, what's up, baby? Man, oh, thank man. you for the intro, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, no, it, 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 that doesn't even. And really I don't get no award for that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it doesn't even do it justice, man. Um, dude, man, you've uh, <laughs> absolutely yeah. you you you've done so much in the game, man. So let people know. Um, usually, when I started off, I ask people. You know how how they introduce themselves. So I want you to not only introduce yourself and what you do, okay. uh, what your title is currently, but okay. where you came from and 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 all the stuff wow. that you've done. You know, <laughs> starting from Eagle you have trip. enough tape. You got yeah. enough tape. <laughs> you know? I'm old, man. <laughs> Shit, I'm 43. I want to nah. hear about. I want to hear about it all, man. So you got to get kindergarten it, get with Stella. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I got that first grade math test that didn't go right, <laughs> so I had to go left. Nah, um. I'm in Amelia Wilson. I'm from rapradar.com. That's my website. Uh, very influential hip hop website. I started in 2009. I do this interview series called The Truth for uh, Jay Z's uh, Life and Times YouTube channel. I do this live interview series called Crown, which is really taking off. And I'm starting this new Kickstarter with my wife called Hardcover for a magazine that we're trying to build, being powered by the people. Um, and it goes back for me since 1992. I'm from Queens. Uh, got into the hip-hop game, doing independent magazine, so it's kind of full circle with the whole hardcover thing, because I, I wrote the first 92 clips I was writing for uh, this hip-hop newspaper in New York called Beatdown. It was competing with Rap Sheet back then about which is the official hip-hop newspaper. Uh, and then two years later, me and Sasha Jenkins started Ego Trip, and that was a very celebrated uh, independent magazine that, that combined hip-hop culture, rock culture, skateboarding, graffiti, the whole youth culture and the way the culture was moving, and now you know we've been proven right. Um, you know, Sasha definitely had that vision and helped push me to, to see it. And it was, it's great to see it being validated. Um, and then I got a job at The Source in 96 to be the music editor. That was my dream job. I wanted to hold the mics. I wanted every rap album first. I wanted to give the mics out and be mm -hmm. in control of what, you know, barbershops were saying and, and representing that for the culture. Uh, so I did that for two years. And then in 98, uh, worked hard on the Ego Trip book of Rap List, which we did. One of the best books on hip-hop, if you haven't heard about it. Uh, it's kind of pre-internet, taking all the history, putting in these little factoids and little lists. And, you know, a lot of internet culture, I think, was inspired by that. Or it's moved towards that way. Um, and then 99, best known for taking over XXL, being editor-in-chief there for uh, a long-ass time. 99 to 2008, uh, called myself Yellow Nigga, uh, said I wanted to kill the source, all that kind of crazy <laughs> stuff. Eminem, Dr. Dre, 50 Cent, Benzino, Ja Rule, Murder, Inc., you know, it's, it's in the history books. And then, you know, like I said, now I'm just moving towards more uh, the digital age in terms of the rap radar and the things I'm doing. But now going back to print and trying to come up with an idea with my wife, Danielle Smith. Um, she's pretty accomplished herself. And hardcover, we want to kind of change the landscape and, and show that a printed product, if it's produced of high quality, will definitely stand out and definitely draw, you know, a, a movement behind it that hopefully will lead to advertising and money being put into it. And I thought it was innovative for us to do it through Kickstarter to just see the demand of the people, connect to the people, and have them be a part of building something. Yeah, you know? man. You know, it's so interesting to me. I feel like so many of these things that, that you know, people once said were dead, like, you know, print, or even like what we're doing right now, right? Like a podcast is essentially, yeah. it's essentially like a... Uh, Radio for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's now content. like you know, it's content, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So and and it's like people say that you know, radio is dead or talk radio especially dead, but podcasts are thriving, right? Yeah, now. I think it's just mean? about the content. I mean, you do a quality podcast, and you're in. It's about quality. It's about consistency. You know, yeah. your work's always done that. Whether you're shooting film or whether you're doing this podcast, and I think that when people say that shit's not hot or it's dead, it's, it means that they're not satisfied with what's out there. It's not that what's out there isn't good enough to them for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. They're not connecting to it. 
They don't go to the newsstand and see these magazines and get that same spark in the eye that I used to have and go to Hudson News and spend 100 bucks on magazines. It's rare now because you look at the landscape, it's just not that inspiring. So when it yeah. stops being inspiring and things aren't going good, then it's easy to say it's over. It's dead. Everybody's doing this, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, print does service. Print is still the tangible uh, it's still something you want to hold, something that's worthy. But nowadays, it has to be a product that feels like it's something. you know. Yeah. And I think the model also of coming out like 10, 12 times a year doesn't work. I think it's back to kind of what I was doing Ego Trip, that it, when it's ready, it's time to come out, and it's going to impact people. And then when it's time to do another one, and we can get the funds together, we do another one. And mm-hmm. then, you know, like, Ego Trip doing that for like course of like four or five years, we only did 13 issues. But that opened us up to so many other opportunities. And I think that's what's the great thing about Hardcover too. On one end, me and my wife are just building a magazine, you know, a book-shaped magazine, something innovative in terms of the production of it and how it's going to look and the quality of the writing and photography. But I think it also opens up even more doors for us. You know, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, we're creative, so we create. You know, I think our people aren't really celebrated for that either. Like, we're, we're fucking courageous creatives, you know, yeah. like someone like you, like your story. You know, and I think the Internet culture, we have our moments of getting our props, but because it's so fast and it's so, you know, who's really putting it in the right perspective? So yeah, I think that's yeah. where print still kind of comes in. Absolutely. You know? And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's one thing, man, like, people still value seeing something like, traditional right so it's like mm-hmm. you know if you're in a magazine and you take a picture of that magazine and you post it on an instagram or something like that <laughs> people are like oh he's in a magazine same thing with a billboard yeah. man same thing it's with taking it and doing it in a new innovative ways exactly. you know what i mean and nowadays if, it's, if it is if you can't google it it didn't exist you know i'd, I'd have yeah. I'd, ha- I'd have i've been like in the past scanning old articles i've done just so now it's on the internet put it on my tumblr so it's on the record that it existed because yeah. if it's not Googleable, Googleable or whatever the fuck the word is, yeah. you know, it doesn't exist. So it's about that innovation. I think people are going to get hardcover and then they're going to Instagram that they have it. I think they may rip a page out and put it on their wall the way we would rip up fucking, you know, like Biggie said, word yeah. up posters and shit, put it on the wall and, and seek that inspiration. I think that you, you share tangible. I think that, you know, it's one interesting thing too is I think that when people look at the, uh, you know, because Kickstarter is built off different pledge goals. Like there's a certain amount where, you secure a copy of the book that you'll get it. And then there's one where it's like you'll get the book, but you'll also get like um, like, like drafts of things we worked on, like sketches of things. Uh. And a lot of people are building on that. Like people want to be part of creation. They want to see, you know, yeah. your rough notes on stuff you did with Macklemore. Like they want to see the process. Like yeah, yeah. I think that the audience now is so informed. They want to be connected to that. And I think they only just they want to see the outtakes. Like, they want to see all the photos of the Nicki Minaj shoot. Like, yep, they don't want to just yep. see the four photos at the end of the shows. Like, they want to be part of the process. And I think that's what also, I think, made me and Danielle feel like hardcover could work. Because here, we're literally creating a magazine in front of you. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. we're building it together. You are, the people are the publisher. And, we, you know, we, we're going to raise this amount of money. And if we get this amount, we can do this many copies and pay people and, like, you know, build something right in front of you. So yeah. I think that, yeah, it's, it's definitely, hope, you hope to have that point where you create something tangible that is worthy. And I think a lot of times now with magazines too, like, uh, the only value now is, is if you're on the cover of the magazine. And we're trying to be against that too. Like, we're trying to make sure that it's just about the quality of hardcover. Like, mm-hmm. if you believe in hardcover, hardcover is a cover story in terms of, like, the quality where now... Artists still want covers of magazines, but they don't respect the magazines that they're that they're doing stories. Yeah, with, yeah, you know? yeah. They, just, yeah exactly. <laughs> they want that look, and then they do the look with every other magazine, and they do every interview, and they kind of marginalize media because they do, you know, because we don't sell records like we used to. They do everything, you mm-hmm. know, like. But you should be selective. Like you should do the podcasters that are worthy. You should do yeah. the radio stations that are worthy. I think you you gain more for being more selective, and I think sometimes now they try to lump us all in together. So it's a challenge for for creatives like me and you to do innovative work and to stand out and be like, no, when I do something, it's going to be a different level of quality than yeah, uh-huh. this press day you did. You know, I used to hate press days. I don't oh, yeah, you hate press day. yeah, you're in line. Oh, my fuck God. Fuck your press days, man. This person is, it's like you might be third or fourth. Man, the, the right? artist is burnt out. They the wrapping you up like yeah, this yeah, and shit? Exactly. I'm doing the finger side. Oh, man, it's terrible. The finger it's terrible. A press day is horrific. <laughs> you, get, you hope you get your stripes up so you don't have to be the fucking yeah, press day. You know what I mean? Out there naked as a Freelancer, you yeah. have to get your weight up, so you ain't gotta be out there. You know what I'm saying? Get out the field, son. Yeah, man. Um, Sit behind the desk or a man, cubicle. Or I want to. I want to talk more about hardcore, but I also yes, want to know a little bit about like how, how did you uh, grow up, man? Like you know what what was what was growing up in Queens like for you? And was it something that you knew that you wanted to be on this end of hip hop? You know, from a journalistic documenting perspective, yeah. uh, early on. 
I think that um well my father's I'm Elliot Jesse Wilson Jr. My dad is Elliot Jesse Wilson Senior. Mm. So a lot of times you know uh, a lot of pressure on the first son, the eldest son, to be like his pops or live out his pops dreams. Mm. My pops dreams for me was to be fucking uh, shortstop for the New York Yankees. Like I was supposed to be Derek Jeter and shit like this. <laughs> Mixed boys playing fucking Gold Glove. Captain of the Yankees. So, mm-hmm. you know, I played baseball. I played baseball at a young age. I could hit a baseball when I was like four or five or some shit. Like, you know, I was good, but I wasn't great. Um, and then as I got older, you know, I stopped losing as much interest in it, the dedication it takes, like getting up Saturday morning and practicing at 7 a.m. I just stopped wanting to do the shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I loved sports writing. Uh, I used to read a lot of like Dick Young and all these other. I was a big fan of Howard Cosell. I used to get excited by the athletes and the, the game itself and then also the process behind it, the media behind it. Gotcha. Not really knowing what it was, but just being attracted to powerful voices like Warner Wolf or like other sportscasters and stuff like that. Um, so then I thought, okay, maybe I could be a sports writer. Like, you know, maybe I could do that. Uh, that could be something interesting and keep me in their sports and I don't want to be the player, but document it. And then, you know, music was always in the backdrop. You know, I grew up, my mother was like, she was into more black music, like soul. She's Ecuadorian and Greek, and she would listen to like soul shit, like stylistics and, and that shit. And my pops, black man, African American from Georgia, he would listen to like Joe Cocker and fucking rock shit. Like he gave up. He liked doo wop soul, and then he didn't like the funk era, so he went okay. right to rock. Okay. So I grew up listening to all types of music, and then I realized with hip hop, hip hop takes from everything. One minute I'm listening to Chic Good Times, and then it becomes Rapper's Delight, and I'm eight years old. And uh, I just remember the impact that that record had. But for me, it was obviously Run DMC because I'm from Queens. So to see these guys, LL Cool J, Run DMC, guys that don't live too far from where I grew up, uh, conquering the world. Like this thing that we loved was becoming this national thing. Like this mm-hmm. was like the world was recognizing it. There's a kid in Atlanta. There's a kid in Miami. There's a kid in LA that's that loves this culture like I do. So you know, and then. You know, I saw the source emerge, and the source was the first magazine to really put themselves out there with the challenge of really trying to be uh, the documentation of the of the nationwide, worldwide culture. So I always liked the source and supported it when it first came out, like late '80s, early '90s. And like I said, that was my dream to have that job. Eventually, once I realized that I could write about this, I could write about this music that I love, this culture, you know. Mm-hmm. And then when I didn't get on with those magazines in the beginning. Like I said, I met Sasha Jenkins, and he showed me that you can make your own thing. Like, you don't need yeah. the validation from others. Like, he had started the graffiti magazine in high school. So I was like, how do you do your own magazine? You go to a printer. How do you go to a printer? Like, how do we distribute it? You know, like, I learned the whole business uh, and entrepreneurship from that experience. And, uh, you know, it, it helps me now. It helps me how I approach everything. Because yeah. even when I approach jobs I have, I approach it more from an entrepreneurial perspective. Yeah. You know what's so crazy, man, is like, uh, I that's something that a lot of people... I. What I'm what I'm starting to realize, and that I, I did this, I think, subconsciously, but it's like, like you said, even if you're a freelancer, or even if you're an employee, you can still think like an entrepreneur yes, and sir. take things and say, okay, well, you know, like when I was working at Capitol Records, man, I was, I was doing all the digital video there, but I was nobody had had my job before mm-hmm. and so I was basically like running a production <laughs> studio in the record label and I was, I was, like, I was dealing yeah. with budgets I was hiring people Real I was doing shit. all this stuff and I was like oh, this is my but own but business. it's not called the Jabari agency it's, it's, no, but you're running it that way exactly yeah, yeah. exactly. and yeah. so then when I left and I'm okay I'm able to take those skills with me to my own projects or whatever and but I like, still had to learn that because even yeah. with XXL like after you know the things went down with that double XL and the controversy behind that it's like I had to figure out okay well, what am I going to do next like I had this job for nine years like you know what's next for me what's the right move you know do I do television do I go back to print do I do a website like what's the right move um and then I was like you know how do I get people to believe in me again and I realized that people was like yo you know I really respect the work you did I would get so much love and and accolades of like people who like had read me from like years like if you were like 13 and you like read XXL and then up to your high school, college years. So you may have read me for like nine years straight or read my editorials and realized how you're touching people. And I'm like, wait a minute. You know, in YN and this editorial thing, it's like I self-branded myself within that system. So some people loved YN. They believed in my vision. And that's why they bought XXL. Mm-hmm. So that's the same kind of thing. Like I built something where I built my belief in, and presented myself. So your belief in me is why you believed in the product that I produced. Yeah. So I realized that, that there's that self-branding. And like I, I walked away feeling like, well, I'm still YN. Like, so if I build a new platforms and I, and I dedicate myself to making sure I'm connected to what's going on in the culture, 
and try to you know connect to the things that are out there. And if I don't understand it, don't connect to it. At least try to understand why it's working. You know, everything isn't for me. I'm not gonna dick ride and like everything that's out. But you know, know what I do like and know what I don't, and really connect to the new generation and have that exchange. You know, that's what it comes with, and that that is self branding because at at the end of the day, that's still a belief in yourself and how you approach things. And I think that that's what I've carried forth as a lesson from each step that I've had in my career. You See, know? one thing, Elliot, though, what makes you different, man, than a lot of people is that. You can see what is working within the landscape in terms of contemporary times and then adapt how you want to tell your story, whether it's, you know, it, it all is a form of journalism, right? So, yeah. But, like, you know, even, like, I remember when you launched Rap Radar and I was like, okay, like, this is something, <laughs> like, this is something where, like, these guys are, Good like... Good luck with that, bro. Like, what I respected so much yeah. about it was that, like... The consistency and like it was at a time when yeah. it was at a time when like bloggers weren't blogging twenty four seven. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. you guys yeah. were. Yeah, it was all that's around. What, the that, that's really was the mentality. You know I was like, I loved SK's work at Not Right. I loved it, like what the New Music Cartel sites were doing. But I realized that like we lived in a culture where it was like, okay, well, how am I gonna how am I gonna make Rap Radar distinguishable and different yeah. from what these other sites are? They're already like, okay, this 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 is the journalism guy, the magazine guy. Now he's in our arena. You know, some were receptive, some were shady. You know, you deal with that. It's obviously it's, it's competition. So, but what I felt was, okay, well, I need an office. I need structure. I need to approach it like a job. And like a lot of times in our culture, you'd have a thing where it's like people were documenting it, but they didn't approach it with like a work-like mentality, I felt like. So like yeah. a lot of times in the culture, like especially back then, it'd be like, you know, artists being a studio at 2 a.m., right? Hyped up, high, smoking, made a song. This sounds dope. Let it out on the internet, like free in the morning. So you wake up to in the morning and, and decide to have the song up, and already motherfuckers will be in the comment section talking about some song that leaked at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I can't compete with that, but but I'm gonna approach it like this. I'm gonna try to go to sleep from midnight and get up before everybody. Get up like five a.m. Get up like with the sun. Approach it like a job. And if I lose that track, and I realize that the midnight next day is the next day's traffic. So you really don't really win anything business-wise by being a hottest site at 1 a.m. to 4 a.m. Because that's really just the next day. So I was like, let's get some sleep. And I, I really had this vision of like, and it didn't go the way it was. was like, me and B-Dot going to be at the office at like 7 a.m., 8 a.m. And we're going to get like 60 posts up before noon. And, you know, and so at least it was a, there was the craziness of having that vision of like, that's how we're going to approach it. And we're going to conquer the day. And like, people are going to wake up. And if we, we're on it first, people are going to start to go to us because they'll be like, yo, Rap Radar had that up two hours ago. Yeah. Like, that was very much that part of that culture where everything was about first, 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 and who can get it up first. And that's really what I did. I tried to just approach it like a job and be like dominant during the day and then slow down a little in the evening and then just tuck it in. And like, if it, if it pops off at midnight, Take that L. If it's twelve thirty in the morning, that's the conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna get to it in the morning, and I'm gonna control everything else that's going on that day. So that's really how we we decided to approach it. And it was also just to make sure also that we was gonna be like a mainstream kind of blog that we weren't gonna put every underground cat on. We were gonna like more favor the bigger guys in the mm -hmm. culture because I felt like most of these sites were underground, but then they would always still post the bigger artists. So then it became to me inconsistent because mm -hmm. it's like. You know, Troy Ave back then was still standing next. And I love Troy now, but Troy had a lot of growth to, to have. Yep. But even Troy back then, if you go to a site, Troy's right next to Eminem. So it's like all these artists think they're on the same level. And, like, yeah. you see the growth now Troy Ave's had, Action Bronson had. So I felt like with Rap Radar, we're kind of giving you that distance where it's like now you're going to see Troy Ave on Rap Radar every day. And it means something. He's on Summer Jam. And he's in the freshman cover. It's like so if we're a little more selective and we just don't draw everything up. And, and try to do everything that's against, like, it's almost the anti-traffic thing because you're supposed to just flood your shit and pictorials and everything. And it was just yeah, like, nah, yeah. let's just try to keep it a certain standard and the audience will come. And I was like, and it was also, to me, my business strategy was totally different where I still don't give a fuck about what, and I shouldn't say this in Paul Python, like when I say it, I don't care what our traffic is. I don't care what the, you know situation is when i was at double xl it was the complete opposite i had every data of how many magazines i sold in poughkeepsie yeah, you know and yeah. i had uh -huh. fucking every sales number the source did and did a buster rhymes cover in 1999 sell and i had all these numbers and everything was like i was like i'm taking a totally different opposite approach to business um in terms of how i run rap radar and social media is really the thing that kind of helped us because it was like that was the way like me being first on it early 
you know, thanks to my wife, Danielle, putting me on Twitter and like learning how to use that. That helped us a lot with the growth of Rap Radar. So a lot of it yeah. is also connected to social media and the power of that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, you know, with with Rap Radar, and with everything. No, 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 man. <laughs> that's what I'm like. I'm like, oh man, I got so much. I got so much places to go. Uh, but uh, okay, so you know, I wanna I wanna talk a little bit about because a lot of artists tune into this, right? And, yes. and not just not just musicians, but like you know, creatives across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, being a hip hop journalist and, and and quite honestly the leading hip hop journalist, well, I mean you, you you I can't even imagine the amount of people harassing me. Yeah, the pitches, the stuff that comes Yo, to these your kids, inbox, these, and these were the, nice the, kids. The, the, the Twitter mentions, yeah, like I can, I can't even imagine <laughs> what happens on on your level, man. So like, <sighs> let's let's talk about. It's not that bad, Jabari. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's bad for me sometimes, but like. I'm. I'm just like. I, I, always, I, I always. I don't tell anybody no. I just don't tell them yes yet. Yes, That's exactly. So, so here's the thing. Like, yeah. I always want to give these people because, like you said, they're mm-hmm. good. They're good people. Of good course. kids. Artists just trying to make it, but there is a protocol, right, yes. for anything. Yes. And I just want to give these people some insight from the professionals, the people who are really. Yeah, I feel you know, like the, I feel the, like the, if the you do, I feel like if you do respect me, you should realize that I'm not the entry point. Yeah, I'm not the person to put you on. I'm not trying to sign you. I'm not trying to manage you. I'm not the entry point. The culture is the entry, your entry point. Like the, you have to make yourself hot. You have to make yourself your own hot. fan base. Yeah, yeah, to your fan base and to other other sites and other mm-hmm. like make me jealous. Like make me like yo, who's this guy? I'm not right. Who's this guy? Everybody's talking about on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like who's this? Like you know, make yourself that. I've never been that. Like if you look at my whole career, like. If you connect to me to like even let's say the Fifty Cent phenomenon, right back then, Fifty did it. He did it, those mixtapes. He did that, and he was the one in demand. Like he built that, and then it was like we jumped on it, and we was like behind it. But he established it. You see what I'm saying? You have to establish it. Elliot can't make you hot. I can't yeah, make yeah, you yeah. hot. If I put you on Rap Radar every day and nobody knows you, it's gonna get no comments, and everyone's gonna be like, "Is Elliot? That's Elliot's artist. Why is Elliot favoring that thing?" You can't make. I can't make something hot. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You have to make yourself hot, make the right moves. I'm not the entry point. I did with Rap Radar, like I said earlier, you know, they position myself to not be that entry point. Yeah. That we're not the first site to put your shit up. We're probably the site that when we put you shit up, it means something. It means like, okay, now I'm in a bigger stage, mm-hmm. you know, that people yeah, are paying yeah, attention yeah. to me. That's the goal. I mean, sometimes yeah. we get it right, sometimes we don't. But that's the goal of it. So I think that's what the misconception is. I think that, and then you try to explain it to people, but they're so... You know, young people and young artists have that certain like you have to have it. You know, so I, it annoys me, but I still respect it. Like it's it's the it's the Kanye shit where it's just like you're looking, but you're not really seeing. You're hearing, but you're not really listening because you just are so driven by your shit mm-hmm. that you can't really even really connect. And I understand it, so we just got to try to keep it polite, keep it cordial. Yeah, yeah. And it's like at the end of the day, I'm all about prove me wrong. You know, I'm sure like again. You know, there's other artists that I didn't mess with, and then now it's like, you know, they'll, they'll tell me about it. Like, I remember um, Dave Free likes to bring up how, like, you know, back in the early days of Rap Radar, I'll give you a good story. So, in rap, early days of Rap Radar, I had this whole mentality, like, and it was wrong, because now you do business in a different way. But back then, it was like, okay, I'm the big dog, so I'm in my office, I got my dog clothes, I don't go out to meet everybody, I don't like having artists up at XXL, everything's very selective. So, when we started Rap Radar... You know, B-Dot's building relationships, so he's having guys come over to the office. So it's like, okay, who are these young rappers, blah, blah, So these are the early days of TDE, so J-Rock's the guy. Mm-hmm. So J-Rock's up. I like J-Rock. We're chopping it up, blah, blah. And I guess one day they came up, and he was with Kendrick, like young Kendrick, young K-Dot. And uh, I guess I was in the office, and I didn't come out and say hi to K-Dot or come out and say, say hi to Dave Free that day or come yeah, up, yeah. blah, blah. And, like, we were having an argument about something business-wise. He's like, that's because you stay in your office. You didn't come back and say hi. You know what I mean? Like... I fronted on Kendrick. I I fronted on everybody. I fronted on Kanye. I told Kanye, you never make Jesus Walks a single. It's never going to (laughs) work. Like, I'm not right. Like, I'm not not the shot caller like that. I'm the shot caller once it gets to a certain point. But I'm not the entry shot caller. I'm not the predictor. Like, I'm not the lottery ball fucking, you know, (laughs) horoscoper. Like, I'm fucking, like, once it gets there. You know, and I think my energy helps take it further. I think, I always talk about 2 Chains is a great example you know, when Spendy came out and how we got behind his campaign finally, and he was doing so much work before that. 
but we really like spend it. And B dot heard the that, record. Uh, you know? Yeah, that yeah, that SOB show. show. Yeah, we jumped crazy. on it, we jumped with that, yeah. yeah. And there's so many camp people on stage. So it's like yeah, that's Rap Radar's role, and that's Elliot Wilson's role. And I think that's my extension in other brands that I do. It's it's still the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still mm-hmm. the same thing. What what uh what sparked you to do uh respect? And let's talk a little about that magazine and, and you know Well, I, I resign now, like I, okay. I stepped down, so Daytuan Thomas is new editor. Okay. But Daytuan's okay. my boy, I know he's gonna do a great job. But the original uh, thing was, I guess, they approached me in 2010. Jonathan Ryan Gold uh, was an publish- associate publisher at XXL when I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a good relationship. He had done the magazine, a couple of issues, and he approached me about taking it over. And I was honored. And I, but, I was, but I was like, you know, I, I respect the different perspective of the photography and, and profile photographers. And I want to keep that, but I also have to have profiles. We have to have to, have, you know, use me as a journalist and interview artists. Mm-hmm. And, I, and the first issue we did, I was very proud. We did Waka Flocka on the cover. And at that time, Flocka Veli was huge. And nobody was giving yeah. Waka his props as, like, the dominant force that he was in the moment in, that, in culture. So I was like, we did Waka on the cover. I had a Jay Electronica story in there. Jay Cole's inside. So I did all these great interviews. And I remember that energy of, like, when it came out, like, I, I don't think we even had Instagram back then, but we had TwitPic, so people would, like, body issue and TwitPic and show me they yeah, bought it, and yeah. I was, like, it was just mad inspiring, like, to have that exchange. So I did a couple, I did about maybe 10, 12 issues, put Drake on the cover, gave Macklemore his first hip-hop cover, yeah, like, I'm proud yeah. of a lot of things, we did a Black Hippie cover, and they did black, the first Black Hippie uh, hip-hop cover. Um, so I'm proud of the work I did there. I just felt like with hardcover, it was time to, I couldn't focus on too many things at this point in my career. Yeah. Um, and, I, and my passion was to try to start hardcover with my wife, so it felt like I, I didn't want to hang on to that situation. So I know it's in good hands with H1, but no, I think that respect's cool because it, it, it challenges the challenge is to create a hip hop magazine from a different perspective. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that continues to effectively do that. So I, I, I'm going to continue to be a, an advocate for respect and, yeah. and Jonathan Rygold and Music Art. And like I said, H1 Thomas is a good friend. As somebody that does interviews all the time. Um, I, I have, I have it's sort of like a two-sided question. Mm-hmm. Um, one is, you know, when do you walk away from an interview knowing that that was just an amazing interview? And wow, that was, you know question. what I mean? Like that, yeah. you know that this is something that people are going to enjoy and respect. Um, and when it's horrible, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the second you side. Yeah, but... that was <laughs> No, I think the, one of my, mo- I think one of my more famous ones, I definitely had those moments mm-hmm. in the recent years. Um, I'd say the Jay-Z Truth. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah, yeah. thank you, brother. Um, well, he got a lot of flack in that interview, too. Yeah, my, well, I knew this. this we'll see, that, I think it's a combination, as you know. So I, to, to kind of walk you through it, obviously, you know, my approach is like, okay, actually it was the first time I interviewed Jay-Z in five years. I had did a Vibe cover story that my wife assigned me, mm-hmm. you know, hard cover, early days, early days, I guess. She assigned me the cover story to do Vibe. This was the 08, so the year after XXL, where I was kind of before I started launching Rap Radar. Um, so I did a Jay story. Me and Jay got cool through the years. I was supposed to do a book on him. I scrapped the book. We've become good friends. Um, but, you know, still have that professional respect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think because of that, he was very weary of wanting to be, be behind, you know, me interview him, because now we're cool. It's like, yeah. it's weird. So it's like we have been, you know, hadn't interviewed him in five years, and um, I finally convinced him to do it. And he agreed to do it at Yankee Stadium. I'm like, oh, my God, this is huge. This is ridiculous. Like, this is crazy. And then, um, so I do my research on it. And I'm trying to, you know, I'm looking at the Zane Lowe interviews. And I'm mad competitive. And I'm looking at everything else he did. And I was like, okay, well, what do I ask him, you know? And my thing is, my secret really is I try to really, like, take it back to the old school of, like, I really listen to the album. Like, I really, even if I don't like the album, and I mean, I like Magna Carta. But even if I don't like an album, I really will sit with the content a lot and sit with it and try to hear different lyrics in it. And, you know, go to Rap Genius and see what they got right about it and what they got wrong and listen again and listen to production and really try to connect to the music. And I came away where I felt like, okay, knowing Jay, there's songs like Nickels and Dimes on the album, which is like one of the last songs, and La Familia and songs like that, that critics aren't really giving those records props. But knowing Jay, I know those records are very personal to him, Mm -hmm. things that he's passionate about. So I'm like, no one's going to ask him about that comment and Bella Fonte and Bella. so I knew I wanted to ask him that stuff, hoping that nobody had really would ask him it yet. So I knew I was coming in with that approach and ask him that. Um, but then also, you know, obviously Trayvon Martin was big at the time well, in terms of like the verdict that just came in with George Zimmerman. I mean, it's big forever, you know, R.I.P. Trayvon. But I mean, the verdict itself had just uh, everybody was still reeling from the craziness of that. Mm-hmm. And Obama, President Obama, had spoke about it that day, that same afternoon. So the timing was perfect to mm-hmm. find a way to ask Jay about it. So all those different elements is playing in my mind. So, I, you know, I have to, if you watch the tape, 
I, I, I print my questions out so I have an idea of a sketch of how I like the interview to go. And, you know, as you know, it rarely goes that way. It's yeah. more than just kind of a reminder of where, blah, blah. So I never even really got a chance to look at the paper because we just started going and talking. And then it started to become this thing where we got the Belafonte thing and he made it, the controversial comment, which he says on the song, that my presence is charity. Uh, he reiterates it. Mm-hmm. You know, he talks about Trayvon, George Zimmerman. So when he talks about George Zimmerman being a mall cop, and he really gets into the, his disgust of that situation and his anger. I really kind of zoned out in the moment in it, and I'm like, "This is this is fucking history. This is going to be everywhere." Yeah. Like I'm in the moment, and I'm yeah. just like, "I see CNN, yeah, and it made uh-huh. CNN." Yeah. Like I saw it in that moment, and I'm lost in it. And then like, I'm amazed by it, and, I, and my respect for him continues to grow. And I'm lost in it, and but I'm still doing my job. So then at a certain point, you just start to feel like you're getting more towards the end of you. His time is limited. I gotta, I gotta get, I gotta get some kind of uh, blue question in, some kind of Beyonce question in. So you watch the interview is like the, the the fatherhood and Beyonce at the end, got it in, boom. Like, I, I, like what what do I have to at least get in? And you know, you know how it is, Javar. You always feel like there's something you forgot to ask, oh, or you didn't always. go, and it beats you up inside. And you're just like, how the yeah. fuck did I not ask him about that? I had it written down. I didn't yeah. think about it. Blah 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 blah. But yeah, that's really what it was. Like I, I knew I was gonna hit that Belafonte point. The the Trayvon Martin case was heavy on all of our minds and our hearts. And then I just got Blue and B in at the end, and I just felt special. And then Drake, Drake's thing was crazy because it's to me people still people's favorite crown. I think the Lil Wayne crown is pretty strong too. Yeah, but, the Lil know. Wayne crown to me was like uh, you, you just never see Lil Wayne talking really. Yeah, yeah, no, period. and I was amazed by that. I think that's my like my best exchange. It's the best. I think it's the best pure interview. But I think Drake's Drake's actual like performance, and it's funny because I talk about performances now, like right, like nowadays in our culture, right, like. You ain't got the answer, Sway. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, every, if Kanye blacks out, you know, and I, I respect the Sway. I'm not trying to dissuade, but I'm just saying a lot of times now artists, if they act up in the interview, like everybody talks about the interview, but was it a great interview? Was it a great interview? Was it a performance or was yeah. it like, and I think they, I think Sway had a real exchange with Kanye, so that was a really good interview. But I thought with like Zane Lowe, he was just kind of talking at Zane Lowe, like, mm-hmm. oh, just pushing his agenda. Uh, a lot of the other radio interviews that he did, so it's like he wasn't even answering yeah. questions. With yeah, Zane exactly. Lowe. I mean, yeah. it was just literally like <laughs> and Zane Lowe's a great interview too, yeah, not to this him, but I just felt that day yeah. like that was the first one he did, and clearly Kanye just had a platform that he was trying to express. So sometimes we get caught up in that, and like, yeah, Elliot, your interviews aren't as good as this, and I'm like, yo, just because I'm not trying to insult the artist, so they just black out on me. That yeah, doesn't make yeah. a great interview. So I think a full exchange of it is the Wayne thing, where it's like, a, I think that's the greatest pure interview of, of the Crown series. Mm-hmm. But Drake was phenomenal because it was. All the circumstances surrounding it, um, and it was like he, like the album's about to come out. I feel like he was the hottest guy in the game at that moment. I feel like he's the hottest right now still, but like that was the moment. Like the timing was perfect, and he was just so charged. Like he was amped by the crowd, and he just I felt like he ran over me. You know what I mean? Like I, like I felt there was times where I literally kind of just felt like, where am I at? Like 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 I felt like his energy was so strong. He ran over me. I said that it's funny because we walk up the thing. And he's amped, and he's excited. He's like, yeah, this was great. He's like, he's tapped me on the back. He's like, you feel good? You feel good? I was like, I was like, you was great. I was high. Like, I was like, <laughs> but then we went and partied after. We went to, like, uh, Kevin Durant had this birthday party, so we all partied. But I was like, I was just kind of shell-shocked. But, I mean, people loved it. I felt, it's hard for me to even look at it. Like, it's like fight tapes and shit. Like, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Look back. So I felt like there's, there's definitely moments where it's like, Especially with the crown thing, because of the live audience, like yeah, it's, it's yeah, scary. Know, yeah. you, know, you didn't even let me know. Yeah, crown is crown. Yeah, crown is um a live interview series. So it started with um uh, South by Southwest. I did a, a thing with Kendrick, and like it was gonna be just a regular like keynote uh, interview situation. But what I noticed when I did it, when I got there, a lot of the fans were already lined up, like young fans I didn't really even know during South by Southwest in Austin. And some of them knew me from the Truth series and like knew who I was and Rap Radar and I brought them stickers and all that and I was just like it was like good youthful energy and like we had this great conversation and the fans were engaged and I was like this is cool like this doesn't feel like a boring panel like you know like we've all been invited to these panels and it's terrible and it's like you know new music seminar type shit it just doesn't work. But I felt different type of energy. So I was like, I told Jesse Kirschbaum. Uh, shout out to Jesse. Yeah, new shout agency. out to Jesse from the new agency. He was my partner in this from day one. I was like, I think I could do this. Like, I think we could do this so we could sell tickets. And I think people would pay to see me interview people. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, Tyler the Creator, because Tyler was coming out with an album. Um, I like Tyler a lot. And nobody really sees the other side of Tyler. And mm-hmm. I felt like if I, could get him to, if I could get him to take the process seriously and engage it, 
and I also know that he's such a uh, monster on social media like myself. He's going to push it. He's going to tell us, man, buy the tickets. You know, come see it. Like, he's going to push it like me. And we sold it out, like, real fast. And I was shocked by that. And it was just, like, a game changer. And then we did it. So if we did it, and it's like he comes out, and his fans are just, like, so excited. They're throwing bacon at him and cereal. And I'm like, how am I going to settle him down and do this interview? This and was I, a highlight. It was a highlight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he settled down. We had a great interview. And I was like, this is something. And then right after I did that, or even before I did Tyler, Eve had hit me about J. Cole, like, you know, want to do it with J. Cole when his album's about to come out. So I had started thinking about the new generation. And, like, and I was like, this is a great way for me to, like, connect to a Tyler or a Wale or J. Cole or Drake. And then each while I was doing each one, Drake had reached out after I did the J. Cole. Like, am I going to get a crown? I'm like, of course you're going to get a crown. Like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. So, you know, it just became its own thing. And it it's continues to grow now. Like, it's, it's definitely, like... You know, out of all the brands I've done, I say it all the time, it's like I've never seen a brand just get that embraced, like, more universally out the gate. Mm-hmm. I think everything you do, they always doubt you first a little first, more. Like, yeah, how are you going to do Rap Radar? How are you going to take over Double XL? How are you going to vote? But Crown, like, it just connected people. Like, yeah. wow, this is cool. This is well, dope. I think, I think, I think it was the timing of it, too. But, it worked I, out, and yeah. a big reason, too, man, is... um. It's something that kind of was not done before, especially yeah. in that you know capacity. Well, P- to be fair, Peter Rosenberg was doing it in a different way with noisemakers, but I knew oh, like okay, yeah, I knew yeah. that, um, but he wasn't selling. He, wasn't he, putting- tur- he turned that into like a concert series or something, right? Maybe, a little maybe? bit. No, I'm okay. not sure, but but I know he wasn't emphasizing as much the selling of tickets out the gate. Okay, because um, he had, did it with the. Uh, 92Ys, they have a certain yeah, audience that they're already yeah, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. engulfed Down in. Down in Tribeca. Down in Tribeca. Um, so he did some of that, but I knew that I, the vision to me was to focus on the new generation more so. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to do more of the legends. And I respect the legends, but my thing is I'm more interested in my age of my career to connect to the new generation and new superstars of this era and connect to them. So uh, my mind was of Kendrick and Drake and Wale and, you know, those kind of guys. So Speaking that's of that, kind of made a difference. Who's, uh, who, who, who are you feeling right now the most? <laughs> the most, let's say. Are and we going to have to drink then, Kendrick today all day? <laughs> oh, man, uh, I'm, I'm Kendrick all day on that. That's all good today, too, going to the studio. Uh, really yeah, I, I just saw him at, uh, he, he was performing with SZA the other day yeah, in, yeah. out in L.A. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so, yeah, well, let, let, let's actually reframe that as yeah. to like who 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 are we going to expect to see in hardcover? We don't know yet, honestly. I mean, the thing is now it's like we have a lot of rough ideas, but we almost look at it like we're securing the budget, whatever it's going to be, whatever money we end up raising. Like yeah. go to hardcover, um, go to Kickstarter. The Kickstarter is it's fully funded, right? It's fully funded, but we're going to set a new stretch goal. We're now at like 30000 was in this. Well, actually, I'll take you the whole process. Mm-hmm. First did it, we're crazy. We set like a pledge goal, like $150,000, and we only raised like twelve. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, this is not working. This doesn't work. Like, we got to build this small and big. So we scrapped it, relaunched it, and we raised like 30000 in like five days. Wow. And then right. now um, we have a stretch goal we're going to announce on Monday. Well, I guess by this time it'll be like 50000 yeah. or so. And try to get to that and, be, and show people that we'll print more copies and pay people more based off more. So the goal is you raise as much as you can. The thing is different between uh, Indiegogo. Is it Indiegogo? What do you call it? Yeah, Indiegogo. Indiegogo and, and uh, Kickstarter. Is Indiegogo, whatever money you raise, you get to keep. Yeah. Kickstarter, you don't keep anything unless you raise your, your pledge level, your initial pledge level. So we did it low to like make sure we could secure that amount. And that's the minimal of what we could do. But there's no limit to it. The goal is, you know, after we made the mistake of not doing yeah, it that yeah, way. Uh-huh. You know, the goal is to raise as much money as we can and, and show people their belief in it. So... You know, we want to raise the money, secure it, and then, like, have a, have an editorial meeting. You know, my wife, Danielle, Benjamin Meadows Ingram, who works at MySpace, he's an intricate part of it. And just other editors we're going to recruit and just really come up with what really documents culture right now and have that big issue plan meeting and argue about ideas. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So it's like right now we're, like, in the publisher phase of, like, raising yeah, yeah, the yeah. funds, and then we get to have fun and have a big meeting. So but, I think the, the, the funding ends in the end of June. So I think by, like, by 4th of July okay. we'll be able to really sit down and hash out an issue plan, and the goal is to get it out in November. Okay, November. And then uh, is it just going to be mainly music-based? Um, no, that's the beauty of me working with my wife for the first time. Yeah. My wife, I was gonna say, yeah. yeah, your wife is. I mean, she she does know a ton about music. But, yes, uh, but she's in other spaces. As exactly. Well. She has a great uh, political website called The Smithian on Tumblr. That's, that has like over a hundred thousand followers. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's what you get. You get this more of a unique perspective, a broader perspective of culture from my wife than from me, where I'm more like super hip hop machine nerd, mm-hmm. and like so it's gonna be a, mel- a melding of those different viewpoints, and I think that's what's gonna make it interesting. And trying to speak to the new generation and, and empowering people of color to like create a magazine with different races that really reflects the world that we're in now. Like we're yeah. still fighting these old ass fucking dusty <laughs> paradigms 
that don't really reflect what's going on in culture right now. Like yeah, I said, you yeah. know, back then, Sasha, you know, with Ego Trip, we saw what was going on in culture, and the magazine reflected that. And I think a lot of these mainstream magazines or periodicals and newspapers you read don't really reflect America right now and yeah. how it really looks. And I think that Danielle has great passion about that area even more than I do, and I think the book is going to be unique in that aspect in terms of, like, being more, you know, being as, as potent in music, but then in culture outside of that, also. That's that's you know? incredible, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. And also, uh, another question for you: mm -hmm. how, how is it working uh -oh. with your significant <laughs> other? I gotta ask. How is Are you that? booed up? You married? You gotta, I'm not. Yeah, okay, I'm okay. not. I'm not. Um, no, it's a challenge because, I mean, it's great. Mostly, it's great. It's exhilarating. It's it's stressful because you want because in this case. We're really putting ourselves out there. Like that's what's funny about it. It's like it's not like we're working together behind the scenes. We're working together in front of everybody. Like yeah, we're out yeah, here yeah. trying to get money and support, and so it's like reality shows. Yeah, you reality show. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> we tried. We shot some stuff for that. That was terrible. Was okay. like, and that breaks everybody up. Even like yeah, Tia and Tani yeah. have problems now. Like yeah. I hope they get, hope they can work it out. All respect to, to them, the Harris's. Um, yeah, I think reality's a bad for, reality shows are bad for relationships, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but. Yeah, it's like it's exciting, but you know, I want, I want. It's this initially was my wife's idea, hardcover. She came up with the name. She's in a Stanford Knight Fellowship program, and this is like her big project that she came up with at the end. Mm. And when she started explaining me the vision, and when she came up with the name, I was like, I'm in. This is dope. I like the, I like the name. I get it. I want to do my part. This is finally the right thing for us to work together on because we've tried to figure out what the right thing is for years, and this finally feels right. The time it feels right. So it's great, but you know it's stressful because you want to win, and everything we're doing is out there. But I think again, the fun part is going to be now once we get the money to go back and do what we do best, which yeah. is write and edit in the fun part, and pick photos and you know assign articles and do things that part that we can do in our sleep and like enjoy ourselves working together in that way. But you know I kind of defer to her. Like I think I think we're both great. I think in partnerships, obviously. There's times we have to be number one, and there's times we have to play number two. Mm -hmm. And I have no problem playing Smart, number man. two at times yeah, yeah. to Danielle because I think she's brilliant and a great editor. And she taught me a lot about editing from the past, and I, you know, I think it's a great partnership for me to have in terms of like creating this product. If we weren't married, it'd be, I'd be blessed to be able to work with her. So mm -hmm. I think it's going to be great. Dope, man. You know, you, one thing, Elliot, that you, you strike me as is... You know, you are you are very much uh, sort of like teacher and lead by example to a lot of young up and coming creators, writers, journalists. Thank you, bro. Um, but another thing, man, you seem like you're still no matter no matter your age, <laughs> no matter what, man, you're a student of the game, man. Like, oh, you, yeah. and you pay attention to so many things, and and I'm sure you're an avid reader. Um, you know, so what what. First, talk about the importance of still being a student, and then just like you know, if you could drop some info on uh, you know what books you're reading or what what things that you think other people should be reading, you know what I mean? Um, to just yeah, just give a little insight on on where you're. I think, where I think my I think my intuitiveness uh, stands for my competitiveness. I just mm. I want to be looked at as the best right now. I don't want to be looked at as the best of... I mean, I want to be looked at as the best of all time. I call myself the GOAT. I want to be looked at as the greatest, but I also, more importantly in our culture, I want to be viewed as, like, doing it good right now, like, mm -hmm. like in that conversation. So I just look at everything that much as I get my hands on, you know, I think that um, I live a lot more on the Internet now, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm constantly, like, on Twitter, on Instagram, searching for content, you know, trying to be on top of... I feel like I have this responsibility almost that the hip hop culture feels that I should be the curator that that I have to be on top of everything. Like yeah. when something big happens in the culture and I may be away for a second, everyone's in my inbox like, what's going on? Elliot, what's you you late to this or what you think about that or what happened with that? So I can't take a vacation. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a doctor. Like I'm yeah. always on call. So it's hard to really sit back and write and read a book, but I know the wife's pushing me to read um the four hour work week and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Tim Ferriss, uh -huh. Yeah, to read that. I'm, I'm trying to read that. We're gonna try to go on vacation soon and I'll try to really engulf myself in that. Um but I just try to just soak up inspiration. And again I just think it also just comes a lot from the music. A lot of the bravado and the editorials you know, I would take people's lyrics and kind of like, if a lyric in a song kind of, I feel, is braggadocious in a way that kind of I can relate to and almost can fit my life in a certain aspect of what I do, then I'll like use that wording or, or, yeah, yeah. or change the wording a little bit to reflect me. And that's kind of where the, the, the skeleton of the XXL editorial style came from. Yeah. And I think people see me do that in social media. So I just think that really my biggest inspiration is just trying to 
take the time to listen to everything. And it's a challenge in that now because there's just so much shit that comes out. I have a good young dude, Andre Blair, that helps keep me on point, and he's constantly sending me retransfers of shit. If I haven't downloaded everything, it's like so much shit comes out, and like a lot of it isn't good. Some of it's good, you know, yeah. but it's just flooded, and it's like I try my best. So a lot of times I may say something braggadocious or tweet something out, and it may be a fucking Migos lyric, but nobody listens to, like, track 17 off the yeah, mixtape. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I feel like that's still my biggest thing where it's like, I, I, I try to literally live in the music in a certain aspect of it. Because it inspires me. It really, it motivates me. Like, and that's why people then sometimes say, like, I write like a rapper or I think I'm a rapper. I have that certain bravado or confidence. I mean, that's what hip-hop is. Hip-hop is the, is the boldness of getting in front of that microphone, like any type of performer, and telling your story. Mm-hmm. Like, that's as much of a ego thing is anything you know and i think that I, my job is to tell my story and tell the stories of these the, the audience's heroes and and, and and the guys that are really impacting culture because this is what we're all invested in we're yeah. all in it yeah. so i think that really just the backbone is still the music you know i'll try to you know i'll try to use sports or you know books uh, different things uh, or watch wrestling sometimes or things like that to kind of zone out and not get so caught up in it mm-hmm. but at the end of the day i'm still just drawn to it and now like with my connection to social media, making sure that I, I stay in tune and I approach it from a way of like curating and providing a hip hop like experience, whether you're following me on Twitter, whether you follow me on Instagram, whether you're going to rap radar every day, like I think I have to do more. You know, Crown gives you one aspect of the culture, like all these different things that I do is one extension of that. So I feel the responsibility to kind of uphold that, you know, like and if I have the hot hand, how to keep the hot hand. Yeah, know? man. Wrapping up a little bit, what what do you uh what do you know now at this I think stage? I just got, you, I, I, wait, I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you something. I might get exclusive. Okay. <laughs> Keep It Thorough was a, a radio show I was doing on EVR. Yeah, you know, yeah, RIP, yeah. EVR, uh-huh. they about to shut down. So I stopped oh, doing the yeah, show. Really I did it for two years. So it's basically a two-hour show where I get to pick the music. I try to lean more towards the new stuff or maybe play like certain sets that fit whatever was going on in the culture that week and yeah. have guests and do great interviews. So I scrapped the show, but now I'm going to do it. Um, I'm doing a two-hour special after Summer Jam. I don't know when this is going to air, but it'll probably be online. I'm doing a two-hour special uh, for Sirius XM. I'm trying to bring the show to Hip Hop Nation. Oh, so nice, I'm getting nice. so I'm getting an opportunity to do that. We just confirmed that. So. Congrats, man. <laughs> See, always, That's another always aspect, something. too. That's yeah. another aspect, too. Like, and I something. like that outlet. I want to learn how to do radio. I, yeah. Like, Angela Yee, I, I sat in when she was doing the oh, show at Shape 45. Yeah. And she, she told me I had a laugh, and then it, DJ Wonder did his drop of my laugh, and it's like, <laughs> now everybody's talking about my laugh. Like, I didn't know I had a fucking laugh. Yeah. And, you know, like, I think there's, there's things I'm learning to do and certain strengths I have already as a radio personality. And I want to get better. I want the challenge of that. I want to learn how to do it better. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's serious. Hopefully we can work it out that I can do it on a consistent basis. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be dope, yeah. man. What, uh, what have you learned uh, or I'm sorry. What mm-hmm. what do you know, know now that you wish you would have known uh, initially, starting off, or, or not, <laughs> not even day. initially, but <laughs> earlier, earlier in your career? You know what I mean? What are some of those important things that you're like? Oh, I was, this is it's funny because I had one of my um, I don't have a trainer right now, but like one of my first trainers, this guy Ray, he moved to Atlanta. He's like he's like you know what made me move to Atlanta? He's like the thing you said to me one day, and I'm like what did I say to you? He's like he's like how you regretted that you didn't buy property. When you was like in your twenties, like, and I was like, he's like, when I, as soon as I realized that, I had money back. I bought my place in Atlanta. I'm moving to Atlanta. I'm like, you're mm-hmm. fucking crazy. And he moved to Atlanta, and he's like, has been making a good career for himself. So I always tell people that, like, I feel like sometimes when you're younger and you're in your twenties, and you start to finally make real money, you don't necessarily want to feel like you should real, you should literally, you shouldn't. Uh, live a real life yet like you shouldn't buy like real furniture yeah. so you buy the janky couch because you don't want to have the real couch because you think someone's going to like me or marry me or i'm going to have a girlfriend or something so if i'm single i'm not going to invest in those things i'm going to waste my money i'm going to party i'm going to do you know i'm not going to do real life decision shit i'm not going to buy but but so i should have done that when i was in my 20s like when i started making money at the source and those type of things i should have saved money i should have bought property so those are the things i learned like take advantage of your 20s and like Ha- take advantage of, of of not having that responsibility because you're gonna have that one day. You're gonna have a wife. You're gonna maybe have kids. You know, so take advantage of those things. And when you start making money, be smarter. Be smarter about your money. I'm yeah. still battling that because yeah. I want to live a good life. You know what yeah, I mean? So yeah. I I challenge myself like, oh, I'll make it back. But it's like now I'm responsible. I have a family. I'm me and my wife. We're in it together. We're not promised anything. Like yeah. I go so hard because no one's guaranteed shit. We went through the whole economic, you know, fucking 
dive that we went through, and we, we're slowly getting my heads back above water. So life is real. So when you start really making money, you know, whatever you do, that's my biggest advice is is definitely invest in things and and make adult decisions earlier. And don't wait for things. Thinking, don't wait for circumstances to dictate that. Step yeah, out and do yeah. that. You know, man, that's so. Uh, it's it's it's. That's what great I that you said myself. that, man, because yeah. that's kind of like I'm. It's very poignant to to what's going on in my life right now. I'm I'm in the process of like, you know, transitioning and like being able to have other opportunities come. And I'm just like, the like the first thing I was thinking about with my friends when we were talking about this sort of stage is like, man, we should we should like buy houses. You know, like yeah. once things start really moving, like yeah. it doesn't make sense to just continue to just be like yeah. living in these apartments or moving into a nicer apartment yeah. and all this stuff. It's like. Yeah, man. It's, no, it's just because nobody tells us that. Nobody tells us how to pay taxes. Nobody tells yeah. like, you look at all these entertainers. They still really, like we, we all learn this. Like we don't learn it. Wasn't taught. We're not taught this in school. How to deal with success. How to deal with money. How to deal with managing money. How to deal with ownership and those type of things. And for you to really succeed in life, you're gonna have to go through those steps. Yeah. So I mean, as much as you could try to educate yourself or stay committed to that from an earlier age, the better results are going to be. So, yeah, you know, yeah, I man. think that's... Not to get all real and... Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the five no, but it relates man. to the culture. It relates to the culture, man. I mean, you yeah. see it all the time. Yeah. It relates to our culture because, you know, hip-hop is us, like, going against the grain and building something when nobody thought we could. Mm-hmm. And we're becoming these businessmen. You know, we're businessmen. You're a businessman. I'm a businessman. Just because, you know, I may have a shirt now, but I'm not wearing a tie, you know, or a blazer. We're businessmen. Oh, you know, and at the end of the day, it's like... We're not taught these lessons. We we learn it's just trial by fire. So at the yeah. end of the day, it's like if I could give somebody advice like that, and and my brother, you know, trainer Ray took it yeah. and he did that and built his life, then that's advice I'd probably give the most of, of terms of regretting things I could have did, you know, more on my own. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's awesome, yeah. man. So uh, let the people know where they can most importantly uh, donate Our and cover. support. Yeah, Our we're going until the end of June. I think it's June. My wife's birthday is the 23rd. I think the campaign ends the 25th, June 25th. Okay. So, yeah, we reached our initial pledge goal of 30000 but we're trying to raise as much money as possible. Yeah. I promise you every cent will go into creation. More copies will be printed. We'll make sure we're going to pay writers, photographers. There's no free labor. Too much internet culture. We have to not be able to pay our writers and photographers. Everyone's going to get paid. You know, maybe a little less than their rate because we're a baby book. We're just coming out the gate. But, you know, we want to treat people with respect. Um, So, yeah, we're trying to raise as much money as possible. Go to kickstarter.com. Look at hardcover. Type in HRD, CVR, no vowels, HRD, CVR, mm-hmm. hardcover. Uh, watch the video of me and my wife. Read up about it. we got some great articles. You know, Thank you for having me here. Yeah. We've done a lot of press about it to try to explain the message for people that don't understand. Um, and we're just amazed by the feedback we've had, we've had so far and surprised and excited and happy that we learned from the mistakes of the initial launch and happy that, you know, to, a special shout-out to all the people. I think we have about over 200 backers right now so wow. far. You know, high and low, and I, I mean, from one dollar to ten thousand dollars, and yeah. people that can give that level, we really appreciate it, man. It's, it's a challenge to then do great work, and we're inspired to do that. So thank you. And where can people catch up with you uh, on social media? I live on, on social with... media, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Media, Beast, media Bistro did a great thing calling me the, the hip hop authority on social media. I appreciate that. Wow. Um, a, a woman, I'm, I think her name is Jan Day Wilson. I hope I didn't mess it up. Same last name. She's not my cousin. I promise. <laughs> Um, media Bistro, so shout out to her. But yeah, I mean, I, you, if you know me, I'm heavy on, on internet, I'm heavy on social media. Um, my Twitter is Elliot Wilson, that's E-L-L-I-O-T-T, that's two L's and two T's, Wilson. Uh, and my Instagram, same name, Elliot Wilson, I'm big on that too. Um, and rapradar.com, that's still my foundation, that's my website. I go there every day. Thank you, sir. <laughs> shout out to Brian B. Miller, he's mm-hmm. the capo, uh, big homie. And uh, don't hate, be hated. Those are the, like the core. Those are the four horsemen of the, yeah, of the yeah. rapper. I think uh-huh. of my man Ty Kid from uh, some uh, some guy named Ty. Ty Kid. I can't, he keeps changing his name from from Shottown. He contributes to Dark Knight. Other guys down with the movement. Appreciate all you love rap radar. Paul Rosenberg, my partner in it. Um, yeah, just excited by that. We just continue to grow. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, you know what it is. Yeah. Um, I made it. I'm a Jafari's podcast, son. Your Sunday Sunday was right. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) All the education you need right there, There yo. There it is. All that knowledge has been dropped once again on the Words of Friends podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Leave comments in the iTunes store, um, soundcloud.com slash Jabari. Everything from me, twitter.com, Instagram, at Jabari. And, uh, yeah, and like I said, if you guys are enjoying the podcast, go to patreon.com. I'm doing that. I'm doing that as soon as I get to my laptop. 
stops, son. And, uh, and support. Support with as little as a dollar per podcast to keep it going, all right? Absolutely, man. Support the things that you believe in, man. Support absolutely. this culture, baby. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, guys. Talk to you next week. Peace.